Wow, God's presence is just amazing. Isn't he good? Wow. What's always amazing to me about God, which is funny because this is just in his character, it's just who he is, but um, I'm always surprised by how it can be a craptastic morning or week or whatever, and I can come in here um, distracted or anxious or whatever, and um, he shows up still, so it's not dependent on me. Ha! Believe it. Can you believe it? It's not dependent on us. And aren't you glad? You guys should be glad it's not dependent on me. Um, so, uh, we will be doing, uh, having Holy Spirit Night next Sunday night. So, like, imagine, like, a long time doing that. Uh, it will be amazing, and we're just expecting God to move because that's who he is, right? So, um, come. If you can, 6 o'clock. If you can't come right at 6, or if you feel like you have to leave early, that's fine. Just come for a little bit. You won't want to leave, but you, you should come anyway. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be amazing. Uh, and in case... We haven't met. I'm Wendy Bazad. I'm the co-lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard. And uh, let's say our mission statement together. Well, what are we about? We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. If you're joining us online, thank you for tuning in. We are happy to have all of you, our online church and our in-person church. And today, we're continuing a three-part series called Hope Dealers, where we're looking at the ways we can reach our neighbors and the people around us. So we're drawing deeply from a book by um, Jay Pathak. I think I said that right. It's called The Art of Neighboring. So if you're interested in going deeper, because we're barely scratching the surface here, but um, feel free to grab a copy of that if you want to explore a little further. So Lee kicked us off last week with the sobering truth that loving your neighbor is just as important as loving God. And that is a really hard truth to swallow. But if you want to see it in black and white or red, because it's the words of Jesus, you can look in Mark 12, verses 30 to 31, where it tells us that the two greatest commandments, right, are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, right, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two most important, and he put them right together. Um, and so we talked about... Um, oh, we're focusing on our neighbors being the people that live closest to us. So we're being quite literal with that term, even though neighbors can, you know, be anybody around us. But this is what we're focusing on for this series. And we talked about not making negative assumptions about our neighbors, right? Because um, that keeps us from getting to know them. That keeps us from reaching out. And if we're going to fulfill the great commandment, which we just read in Mark, we need to adjust our thinking from... I can't to how can I accommodate, okay? So when Lee and I first got married, there was, we lived in an apartment building in Denver, and there was a woman um, who lived across the hall from us with her young son. And we happened to meet her, you know, time or two in the hallway, introduce ourselves and whatever. And um, she was a nurse, and her schedule changed, so she ended up needing to go to work super early before her son um, could get on the bus. So she needed childcare for about an hour first thing in the morning. Like, I don't even remember how early. I remember being, because I was like uh, 19 at the time, so 
uh, I thought, wow, that's really early. <laughs> um, but I think it was like six or something like that. So um, he would come over for, you know, for that hour. He would bring his own breakfast and he would uh, eat breakfast. And we could just continue getting ready for work while he um, was with us. And then one of us would walk him to the bus stop, usually Lee. And that was it. And that way she didn't have to drive, you know, take him somewhere for childcare, pay for child, all those things, right? She knew that he was with somebody safe. And as we did this, our relationship with her continued to grow and develop. Obviously, we're watching her son, so she wants to be able to trust us, right? She wants to know us pretty well. Um, and so anyway, um, she shared more what was going on in her life, and we shared more about ours, and we just really got to know each other. And um, he developed a little crush on me, and then he decided he didn't like Lee anymore because he wanted to marry me, but Lee was married to me, and it was a whole thing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> he was like nine or something. So cute. Anyway, um, so she ended up moving out of Denver, um, to another state, but um, she kept in touch with us, and at the time there was no email, no text, so she literally wrote us letters, and, and we would write back. So that relationship really grew, and um, we are still in touch over Facebook. She is a regular supporter financially of RFK, and over the years she has messaged us with prayer requests and, oh, help me with my son, I don't know what to do, and like, so there's like this great relationship there that started 28 years ago, 28 and a half years ago, I, I know, I don't look that old, do I? I'm just kidding, I'm getting there. It's my birthday in a few weeks, so I'm a little like, ah, you know, it's in a month. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, so anyway, back to our neighbors. <laughs> but anyway, by cultivating a relationship with her, we were able to offer her hope when she needed hope. We were able to offer her prayer when she needed prayer. We were able to be there for her. And she was there for us. Now, we know how important loving our neighbors is to God. We established that, right? But how in the world do we get started? Because sometimes it's not as easy as just, you know, somebody's right across the hallway from you. Um, so we're going to look at some baby steps uh, that we can take to begin this process. But let's pray real quick. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and to speak to us. Let your word come alive in us. Bring your truth to us. God, each one of us needs to hear something different from you today because our circumstances and our, our neighbor situation is different. So God, I ask that you would help each one of us to hear from you. And God, that we would be listening, that we would tune into you. God, thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start by looking at John chapter 6. Um, this story that we're going to read is in all four Gospels, but it's most detailed in John, and it probably will be familiar to you. It's the loaves and the fishes, okay? And we're going to start in um, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, 
also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we find, buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. Excuse me. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Okay, so here's what I want us to take from this passage this morning. It's very simple. The small things matter. The movies that we watch in our nowadays, huh, that's showing my age, um, tell us a lot about what we value as a culture. Okay, so we tend to believe that we need to do something really big in order to make a difference. We need to make a splash, right? Um, and so when we start to take the great commandment literally, we realize that we don't have what it takes. We don't have enough time, even though we prioritize and, and we schedule everything, we don't have enough time, right? We don't love enough, even though we're really trying to be like Jesus. It feels like an impossible task. But when we think that way, we don't end up doing anything at all. So if we value consistency instead of making a big splash, small sacrifices can lead to a miracle. So how do we even start? This is very, very simple, not always easy. The first thing is give what you have. So in the passage we read, the boy offered five loaves and two fish, or it was taken from him. It really doesn't say. <laughs> it was just the disciples said, this boy has five loaves and two fish. It doesn't say the boy came with his, you know, we're going to take that, thank you. Um, in any case, when the disciples began to pass it out, that's literally all they had. Okay, so five loaves and two fish. So it's almost silly that Andrew even mentioned the food, Right? Because he even said, well, what good is it going to do? But he mentioned it anyway. The extra food didn't likely fall from the sky as they were passing it out. Most scholars believe that it multiplied as it was given away. It wasn't there ahead of time, but it was as it was given away. So when you give away what you have, what's in your hand to give, Jesus will give you more to give. Even if what you have to give isn't enough to solve the problem, it doesn't matter because he will make up the rest. You do what you can in the moment, whether that's a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of whatever, encouragement. You give what you can in the moment, and you trust that God will fill you up with enough um, to take care of the need. So... You guys probably know this by now, that God isn't really known for giving us more than enough ahead of time. 
It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, never. I've never had it. We're like, okay, we need this. Oh, God already provided that a long time ago. <laughs> right? No, it's in the moment we say, God, I, I need, and he provides. Right? Um, so when we give what we have, yes, it's a step of faith, but God can turn it into a miracle. That small thing makes a difference. So give what you have. Um, the next thing... <laughs> Again, super simple. Just do something. Just do something. Anything. <laughs> so we tend to think things like, I'm not, okay, I think things like, I'm not good at this kind of thing. I'm not good at the walk over to my neighbor's house, introduce myself, because then once I get past that, hi, my name is Wendy, I live next door. Oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I have to have something in my hands because I don't know what to do. <laughs> Lee's really, really good at that. He can talk to anybody. I'm just like, I have to think of topics before I get over there. And then if they just give me one-word answers, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> I was hoping they would be a talker. <laughs> um, so we think things like, I'm not good at it. And connecting with our neighbors may feel daunting. Like, what do I have to offer, right? But every situation and every neighbor is different. So we all have a variety of gifts to offer. So don't wait until you have the perfect plan or the perfect talk, <laughs> whatever, right? Just make some effort. Because relationships don't tend to just happen when we, lay, when we put pressure on ourselves or on the other person. Right? They happen when we do what we were designed by God to do, and that is to connect with other people. He designed us to connect with other people. I mean, even when we were young and first married and we met our neighbor, Andrea, I didn't, like, I didn't know what to say to her, but God just made it work. I don't know how he does that. I began to give what I had, which was, hi, my name is Wendy. <laughs> Live across the hall. So... Connect with other people. Be who you are, and then let the relationship grow out of that. The most natural way to connect with people is through shared activities, right? Or including them in what you're already doing. So some really simple things that you can do is, like Lee mentioned last week, if you, if you like to bake or cook, make a little extra and take it to them. That's a really easy thing to do, and it's a loving thing to do. Or if you like to play a sport, ask them if they'd like to come along. If you like to go work out, you find out they like to go work out, hey, you want to work out sometime together. Do something that you already do, but do it together, right? Or if your kids play in a league together, hey, you want to go watch the game together. We could sit together. We could meet ahead of time to get a bite to eat or afterwards. Find out if they watch the same show as you and invite them over. That's easy, because then you don't have, like, you have a shared, you can just talk about what's happening on the screen, right? <laughs> That's super easy. Um, one of the easiest things to do is to eat together. Invite them over to eat with you. Or invite them for s'mores around the fire pit. That's harmless. So we assume one of two things, though, when we think about reaching out to our neighbors. We assume one of two things. We assume that people won't want to participate in these activities with us. I don't know why we assume that, but we just go, oh, they won't want to do that. 
or we assume that they're too busy to want to join us. But plenty of people are hungry for interaction, and they can always say no. So if they decide that they need to say no, okay, but at least you asked. And people, generally speaking, will say yes at least once because they're hungry for interaction. Remember, we need to avoid making assumptions. We can't assume that they're too busy or don't want to. Maybe there's a, a single mom or an elderly person in your neighborhood who, um, who could use some help with projects in their home, and maybe you're a handy person. I am not a handy person. Lee is not necessarily a handy person. Love you, honey. Um, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> He's good in other ways. So if your neighbor needs some help with something, you just call Ian go, hey, I got a guy who could come help you with that. <laughs> Be a good neighbor. Um, but I mean, babysitting, that's what we did. And I didn't know anything really about kids, <laughs> 19 years old, you know. Um, little things, though, can make a big difference. What, I, what we did for Andrea made a huge difference for her. And so we have to look at what we can do and just offer a simple solution. Or do what you're already doing, invite others to the table and watch God work. Um, next, learn to share your story. Okay, our ulterior motive for developing relationships with our neighbors cannot be to convert them. An ulterior, <laughs> ulterior means something is intentionally kept concealed. It's kind of manipulative. That's not what we want to do. We are not building relationship with them to launch into the gospel message, get them saved, and then move on to the next one. Ick, right? Yeah, you guys are visibly disgusted by that. I'm glad, I don't have to tell you guys. This is not good. Because, what did Jesus say? He said to love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love your neighbor and get them saved. The commandment is to love your neighbor, period. So loving our neighbor and offering hope is not the same as the bait and switch, right? Where we become friends with people only to share spiritual truths with them. Now, it can be our ultimate goal to share hope and truth with them, right? I mean, that should be our... That should be, ultimately, we want to do that in every relationship that we have because we have something wonderful to offer them. So it's not that you're never going to talk about Jesus. It's that you're not, you know, constantly trying to sneak in there with something manipulative, right? So um, when people are in relationship with others, they naturally share what they love. So after a period of time, if you're growing in this relationship with them, you're going to talk about Jesus. You're going to talk about God, hopefully, because he's such a big part of your life. He has changed you. He, he hopefully, marks the way that you operate, right? So you're naturally going to share about him. It'll, he'll naturally come up in your relationship, okay? Because there's kind of a progression in how people converse in relationships. So first, we talk about the things we can see. The weather, politics, 
well, you might want to avoid that, but. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> you know, sports, not me, but, you know, TV. I don't know, you just talk about things you can see, right? Then you move on to like basic, basic personal information. You start to share things about where you grew up and how long you've been married and your kids and what ages they are, those types of things, right? And then um, as the relationship progresses, we start to talk about our dreams and desires, our personal goals, our aspirations, things that we'd like to see happen. And then our regrets and our losses and our pain. And when we start to get into those deeper areas is when we can begin to share more about what God has done and in a natural way, not like, okay, now that you've shared this with me, I'm going to pull out my Bible, I'm going to open it up to Romans, and we're going to do the Romans road together. Just share your story. What has Jesus done for you? How has he worked in that area of your life? If you're sharing a regret or a loss or a pain, how did he heal it? It can be as simple as one sentence. And it feels really awkward at first. It really does. But it becomes, when it becomes part of your conversation, you really find that people are very accepting, especially if you've grown the relationship and you have loved them without agenda. Right? So... Um, I don't remember ever sharing the gospel message with Andrea. Do you ever remember, like, specifically very laying it out? <laughs> See, we don't even remember. But I do remember that um, our, our relationship with God came up in conversation. Like, she knew that we were avid churchgoers. She knew we probably invited her. She never came with us to church. But after she moved and she was writing me letters, she said that she was exploring relationship with God, and she was looking for a church, and have you heard about this kind of church, and what do you think about this kind of church? So it wasn't even until she moved away that some of those seeds that were planted began to grow, and I mean, we didn't get to see it in the moment, but the way we lived our lives spoke to her. So share your story. And then lastly, don't give up. Simple things over time can make a big impact. Remember the small things matter. So it probably won't feel like you're making any difference for a while. We, we were neighbors with her for at least two years and uh, I don't know that it felt like we were making, you know, I, of course that wasn't our agenda. We just felt like we were becoming friends. And it was really cool. But most of the changes that take place in our lives do so um, through consistent, regular investment. They don't happen through one big moment. Sometimes, but most often it's consistency. Um, we don't go to the gym one day and be like, come out all swole. That's not going to happen. It takes regular, consistent investment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's distracting me. 
Um, so at RFK, we focus and we depend on moments, right? On making moments matter, and they really do. Many of you have already heard this story, but um, when Lori went into the gym one year at camp, um, and she decided, you know, because a lot of the girls were down in the gym just climbing the rock wall and playing basketball and volleyball and whatever. She's like, I'm just going to go down there and hang out with them. And when she went in there, she decided she was going to play basketball. And she invited one of our campers to join her to play basketball. Remember, do what you're doing. Invite somebody to do it with you. And those of you who know the story know that that moment was a turning point for that camper. Somebody noticed her. Somebody did something with her. And it was a changing moment that mattered greatly. Because now, and, and at the time, this girl was pretty hostile toward God. And now she serves at camp. She serves at club. She's not hostile to the things of God. I don't know where she is in terms of, but she's letting us pray for her. And she's open. And so you never know. And you never know what's going to happen. You never know how one, one invitation. Now, Lori could have gone in there and said, she's not going to want to play basketball with me. She could have made an assumption. This girl was kind of cold sometimes, right? She could have made an assumption and said, she doesn't want to do that with me, or she's not going to want to. But she didn't. She just asked. And it changed a life. Small things matter. So I want to close this morning by asking two questions. What do you have to give? Do you have a skill that you can offer? Do you have a little bit of time? Time is huge. What can you give? And what can you do now or tomorrow for one of your neighbors? Can you bake some cookies? Can you offer to clear your neighbor's driveway? Can you? I know, it's so cold. <laughs> uh, can you? Um, yeah, I know it's tricky right now because of COVID, right? Some of our neighbors don't want us all up in their space. But there are things that you can do without getting close. You just have to be creative. And also, can you plan to do something, can you plan something now that you can do when it warms up outside? Can you plan that bonfire and put it on the calendar? Because you won't do it if you don't put it on the calendar. Right? And then you invite your neighbors when, as it gets closer, hey, it's going to be 50 or whatever this day. We're going to get together in our backyard for a bonfire. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. I believe in you. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and there may be unique ways to help right now. Maybe your neighbor kids need help with online school. I know a lot of kids are struggling with that. And the parents are kind of like, okay, I'm done too. So maybe a fresh voice, a fresh face, fresh somebody can come in and help, right? Or maybe you have a neighbor who could use help. You could pick up groceries for them. You can find something. Offer to do something. 
And if you can't think of anything, ask the Holy Spirit to show you because God's good like that. If he asks you to do something, he's going to give you some ideas. And he tells us to love our neighbor, he's going to give us ideas to do that. If it's one of the most important commandments, and if we keep our eyes open for the opportunities, he's going to make a way. So one of the things I want to pray for right now is um, insight and direction. I want, I want God to help us to keep this at the forefront of our minds. But also I want him to change the way we see our neighbors or the people around us. It's so easy to get in your little cocoon and not think about the people around you. But I want him to kind of change the way we see things, but also give us insight into it. Like, because he can give us discernment. So even if that person doesn't tell us what they need, he can tell us what they need, and we can offer that to them. So let's pray together as the worship team comes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you this morning. God, we ask that you would change our perception and that you would give us discernment. Father, first of all, that you would help us to see people the way that you do. And that you would help us to know what they might need so that we can offer that to them. And Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to step out and do it, even when it feels awkward, even when it might feel strange. Lord, even when what you tell us they need seems odd, God, would you... Give us the grace that we need to step out. Father, thank you for the heart that you have for people. Give us your heart. And help us to be consistent even when it feels like nothing is happening. God, work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. When we were praying, I, I remembered this story real quick that someone told about Um, how she felt that God told her one time to bring her neighbor a box of Twinkies. And she thought, well, that's weird. And she bought the box of Twinkies, and then she drove to her house, and she drove by and went around the block like, this is so weird. I can't just show up at her house with a box of Twinkies. And she probably drove around the block. I don't remember the story exactly. She probably drove around the block for about 10 minutes, fighting with God about it. I really don't want to do this. This is really strange. And when she went to the door, finally, okay, God, I'll give her the Twinkies. The woman began to cry and said that it was something to do with her father had bought her Twinkies when she was little as a treat and her dad had recently passed, and she was missing him, and like, there was all these connections. So if God tells you to buy a box of Twinkies for someone, just do it. You never know what he'll lead you to do, but you know that it'll be good, right? So let's stand together, and let's just worship him, and let him speak to our hearts.